Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't have that Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, the official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, coming to you on this Black Friday to talk about what else? Star Wars toys. My guest this time around has been asking to talk about this subject since before the podcast even began. He previously appeared back in April when we hurriedly reacted to the teaser to Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. That episode came together with like two hours of prep time, whereas this one took almost a year to schedule. Anyway, he's here and he is excited. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Andy Kapelish. How are you, Andy? The power of this podcast is insignificant to the power of the Force, too. <laughs> hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing, man? Good, good. Thank you for that. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Officially, the first time you're on like a real episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I love this is one of my favorite podcasts, so I'm just over the moon. Uh, and as I mentioned, you have been on the show before, but that episode, that didn't follow the format of a standard episode. So this is your first time going through the Give Me Those Star Wars beats, and the first of which is... Andy, tell us how and when you became a Star Wars fan. I don't think there was ever a time where I wasn't a Star Wars fan. Uh, I grew up in a in a very sort of nerdy household, uh, and so you know, my dad, my uncles, and my mom were all. My mom was more Star Trek, but like, yeah, like Star Wars is always part of it. I had a Yoda T-shirt when I was a toddler, <laughs> so that was pretty much. I mean, like, yeah, it was just always part of my DNA. But I think when I really started liking Star Wars was probably like identifying Star Wars as part of my personality uh, was probably about eight or nine when I was like, man, Star Wars, that's where it's at. We had one tape of the Star Wars trilogy and that was Empire Strikes Back. And I would just demand to watch it whenever we were like, you know, my siblings were like Space Jam or, you know, Toy Story. And I was like, uh, Empire. Uh, so I was older than them. And I was like, I was like, I want to see R2-D2 get shot out of the swamp again. That's amazing. You chose that over Space Jam? I listen. I love Space Jam too. Nothing against Space Jam, but come on. I mean, you know. So, anyways, it's Empire. Um, so, anyways, you know. And then right about when I was ten years old, because I was born in 1985. When I was ten years old, uh, Power of the Force two dropped, and that was. I mean, I had grown up kind of having like a few of the Kenner Power of the Force one, and then original uh, Kenner long play toys and stuff like that. But like you know, for the most part, those were really like guys that the. the figures you'd get at garage sales or whatever and you know they were always beat up and scuffed and those were always great toys but they were uh you know they were old they were you know something that hadn't been there before so when they started hitting shelves and then uh like when phantom menace dropped uh my life was changing in a big way um so we kind of moved off of the farm and we were doing a lot of stuff there and i had a lot more freedom so the summer of 1999 was just really special for me star wars wise because I was kind of out of a bad home situation and into kind of taking care of myself. And the one thing that I was really interested in was Star Wars. So pretty much anything that was Star Wars, I spent all day drawing Star Wars. Anything on TV that was about Star Wars, I watched. It was just, yeah. And then, um, you know, all throughout high school. And then after about 2005, you know, the prequel trilogy was over. 
I kind of dropped out of Star Wars for a while um, and got really into DC Comics. Always like my second passion, you know, my nerd, you know, fandom mistress or whatever. <laughs> um, but then like uh, and uh, I ran away with her. Um, and then, uh, like pretty much I started getting back into the swing of things shortly before they end, like the Disney merger kind of, uh, uh, dark horse had a really great series of comics that were coming out and I was like, Oh yeah, star Wars comics. I love, I love star Wars and comics. So, and then like, then when Disney kind of took over, I got right back into like everything. So it's been, I mean, it's been, you know, 30 at this point, 31 years of star Wars. So nice. All right. Before Andy and I get into our main topic, which we sort of previewed there, we've got a few Star Wars current events to discuss. As always, this segment may contain spoilers for upcoming Star Wars content. If you don't want to hear potential spoilers, skip this segment. The start time for the next topic is listed in the show notes for this episode. Okay. Andy, Rogue One is three weeks away. Since last we talked, Lucasfilm has released two official trailers for the film. Any general thoughts on what you've seen from those trailers? I was hyped when it dropped, the first one dropped, and I have not got any less excited. Like, it's just grown exponentially. Um, This movie is going to be maybe the greatest Star Wars film that we've seen so far because and I, I no disrespect to episode seven, no disrespect to any of the other ones since the original trilogy, because it is groundbreaking and it, it literally is a new chapter of Star Wars that we've never seen before. I mean, there are going to be recurring characters from the universe, but this is going to be the like they've really driven home that this is not going to be like the secret tales of like the behind the scenes of Princess Leia's crew or whatever. This is going to be the a completely different tone, a completely different crew and a completely different experience Star Wars wise. So it's going to be a story that's set in Star Wars, which I mean, a lot of us Star Wars fans have been doing this for a long time through either, you know, video game experiences or role-playing experiences like tabletop rpgs Mm -hmm. um you know and normally those have different feelings than the space opera um you know you can tell different types of stories that way um but this is going to be the first time that we explore that on the screen this is going to be a star wars war story a star wars um sort of mission heist you know sort of uh uh you know, story, and it's going to be phenomenal. And also, since we've seen the last one, I watched uh, an HBO miniseries called The Night Of with John Turturro and Riz Ahmed. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited when I figured out that Riz Ahmed was the person uh, that's going to, or a person that's going to be in Rogue One. And he's actually the person that names Rogue One, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> he's a great actor. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Like, I'm just over the moon excited. Which of the characters stand out to you? What, like, visuals, what little moments in those trailers kind of, like, jumped out at you and got you excited? You know, it took me about 19 times of watching. Because, like, <laughs> some people are like, I only want to see the trailers once, and, you know, I'm going to... I'm the opposite, man. I want to see everything. Like, I want to know the inside scoop when I go see those movies. Um, and so I've watched the... was I think it was this, the third trailer that dropped where there's a ship, the U-Wing ship, mm-hmm. that's flying over the desert. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's awesome. Like, look how high it is. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's not in orbit, but it's like flying over those mountains. And then I kept watching it on my phone, and one of my buddies was like, hey, you want to watch the Rogue One trailer on my, like, big screen? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> and so um, we watched it, and I was like, oh, man, there's a Jedi statue. That's Those aren't mountains. It's a Jedi statue, yeah. a giant Jedi statue. And it just blew my mind 
So, um, Jenner. So, uh, the action figures have dropped. Um, so we got like a better look, I think, at like a lot of the characters and stuff. Um, I actually dropped what little available funds I had on, um, on Force Friday. I got some of the, uh, uh, I got the new Stormtrooper from Rogue One, which is one of the best Stormtrooper toys ever made, in my opinion. And the, uh, uh, also, uh, um, some of the micro machines. So uh, okay. they've they've released some Rogue One micro machines, and everything I've seen, the ships, the Tie Striker, I mean everything, just looks great for this film. I I am over the moon excited. Yeah, that was one of the things that I was slightly, ever so slightly disappointed with the Force Awakens was the lack of new distinct ships. There were variations of the Tie Fighter, variations of the X Wing, and the Millennium Falcon, variations of the Star Destroyer. But they didn't have that like newness, and like as soon as like I saw this one, when I saw the U wing, I was like, "That's cool. That's something that feels like Star Wars, but we haven't seen it before." I'm excited to see that thing in action, and I think yeah, like the new versions of the Tie Fighter, the Tie Striker, like the I, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not usually like a nerd for like gear and tech specs. You know, I I know nothing of auto mechanics or any type of mechanical engineering, but Star Wars is one of those things where I get nerdy about weapons and vehicles and that sort of tech. And I just, I like seeing that. So those are one of the things I'm really looking forward to in the movie. And I want to see more of those ships. Another bit of news that broke recently, even though it was heavily rumored for a long time, Disney and Lucasfilm finally made the official announcement that actor and musician, Donald Glover will play Lando Calrissian in the Han Solo movie that comes out in 2018. Andy, what are your thoughts on this casting announcement? In a year full of disappointment, extreme disappointment, scary disappointment, this is one of the things that has kept me going. <laughs> Donald Glover is by far one of my favorite people in, in media, and he is perfect for Lando. Lando's one of my favorite characters. Donald Glover's one of my favorite actors and personalities, and I am so excited about this. I actually had the chance to see him um, in his stand-up series uh, when he came through. I live in a college town, Mm -hmm. and so he had come through, and uh, we went to the... uh, the auditorium there and we got to see him and it was phenomenal he is hilarious um just he looks like lando he can do a, a lot of, like he's i've seen him do billy d williams impressions he nails it like he's because he's not doing it's you know a lot of times when you see people do like impressions they're doing you know lines or things you know that it's like you know i'm christopher Walken, you know that kind of yeah. stuff but it's like he kind of like makes it his own. But it's like it's he's going to knock it out of the park. Like he's phenomenal. And it was just yeah, he's I mean, this is some of the best casting they've done. Um, I don't know anything about their Han Solo, but I mean, Lando's enough to sell me on that ticket. I mean, I, it's not like I wasn't going to go see Star Wars, something Star Wars. But like, you know, even if I were having any trepidation, like they probably got an extra ticket out of me just because of Donald Glover. So, <laughs> you know. I, I hear you. I, I love it, too. I loved him in Community. I've heard some of his rap alter ego, Childish Gambino, um, which is just a That's really, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great name, too. I'm, I'm in the same place where I love Lando. He's one of my favorite characters. I don't know that I want to see him have a big role in the movie. Again, I don't... It's one of those things where I didn't need a Han Solo solo movie. Haha. But... I'm excited about what they do because I like the casting that I've heard so far. I think they will do a good job with it. Just I'm, I'm sort of putting blind faith in them. 
and because I like the character and I like the cast, I, I think I think it'll be interesting. That does tell me that we will, and I don't know if they've confirmed this or not, but that does tell me that we will see the scene where Han gets the Millennium Falcon from Lando, uh, whether or not they keep it in continuity as he won it in uh, like a card game, like Sabacc or whatever, uh, or they might change it because they could make up a completely new history for how Han gets the Falcon from him. But uh, I think it'll be great. I was happy to hear that news. I think that we're going to see, even if it's maybe not something that we necessarily needed to see, mm-hmm. we're going to see something that's that's we're going to enjoy, and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, agreed. All right, folks, we're going to take a short promotional break right now, but when we come back, Andy and I are going to discuss the second generation of Star Wars action figures that began in 1995. Don't go away. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology, video games, toys, Star Wars, just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, when Batman fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? Back on the very first episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, Rob Kelly and I talked about the original wave of Star Wars action figures that came out of the 1970s and 80s. That original line had died out around 1985 with the final wave of figures released, not under the banner of one of the three original films, but the more all-encompassing Power of the Force line. The website rebelscum.com, which is a pretty comprehensive database of all Star Wars merchandise, describes the follow-up to the Power of the Force line thusly. In 1995, the much-anticipated return of Star Wars toys and action figures had arrived as Kenner, now a division of Hasbro, released a new collection they would dub The Power of the Force 2. It had been 12 years since the release of Return of the Jedi, and 10 years since the last collection of Star Wars toys had been on store shelves. 
the new line featured brand new packaging and improved sculpts from their predecessors. With the release of the Star Wars Special Editions in 1997, George Lucas's timeless myth had come full circle and reintroduced itself to a new generation of fans and collectors. The site then goes on to describe the packaging of the Power of the Force 2 line, like how the original wave in 1995 had a red lightsaber color on the package, then in 1997 with the special editions came out, the packaging color was changed to green. Andy, what is your experience with the Power of the Force 2 line of action figures? My uh, my dad, I lived on a 1900-acre farm, or I'm sorry, a 900-acre farm. That would be too much. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, a 900-acre farm um, growing up. And my ex-stepfather was very, he, he enjoyed the TV news, the occasional Western, and for whatever reason, soap operas that his mother had got him addicted to when she was alive. Um, but other than that, that's all we watched. And so I was not allowed to watch Star Wars because I did not own Star Wars. Um, and also because, you know, he's very anti-science fiction. My dad, on the other hand, who lived in Wisconsin... Um, with his family, would send me care packages occasionally. And so, you know, I would open them up and see what was inside. And the first time that I saw them were on store shelves. I had no idea that new ones were coming out. I had no idea about anything. It was the 90s. There was no internet. And I was, you know, a farm child that had no access to the outside world. Um, Also, I think at that point in time, I was either, I was close to being homeschooled or was already being homeschooled. So I was out of the loop completely. So I see them and my brain just explodes with, oh, my God, there's new Star Wars stuff. And um, I I think the first ones I ever saw, there was a R2-D2, a Darth Vader, Farm Boy Luke, and I think maybe an Obi-Wan from the original 12 that were released. And um, I just... I knew that I wasn't going to be able to walk out of there with them because uh, my ex-stepfather was very stingy with his money. But uh, I, I just like I was like, I'm is it OK if I stay in this aisle and look at these for a while? Like, you know, and I just my jaw dropped um, shortly after that. Uh, I think it was probably that was late 1995. And then my my father sent me a care package. And I think I think I might be misremembering this because they said that Fatigue's Luke didn't come out until 1996, mm-hmm. but I remember it in 1995, so my brain's either playing tricks on me or something, you know, either that or we've switched universes, Berenstain Bear style. <laughs> um, but the like that was the first one that I owned was Fatigue's uh, Dagobah Luke, um, and then followed by C-3PO, who is one of my favorite characters, and then shortly after that, everything. Um, so everything that I could get my hands on anytime I had extra money or was able to, you know, talk one of my parents into letting me pick one out was just, you know, the best. And then, uh, yeah, so I had, I had quite the collection and there were a few Christmases where I got quite a few of them. So nice. I think I got most, if not all of the first wave of 12. And for those of you listening, if you don't know, the first wave that came out in 1995 included, it was mostly remakes of the original line of figures from Star Wars. It was Obi-Wan Kenobi, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Han Solo from the first movie, Luke Skywalker from the first movie, Princess Leia from the first movie, R2-D2, a Stormtrooper. And then they included Boba Fett, Lando Calrissian, and Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing fighter outfit. Now, I think... Boba Fett, Lando, and Luke Skywalker in the X-Wing outfit while they were in 1995, I think they were probably a later release. I didn't see any of those until 1996 on store shelves. I mean, and I checked every time we went to a store. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that they were a late rollout. I think the others I got for Christmas that year, and it was probably, I'm quite sure, in fact, it was like the last year of Christmas that I got toys, because at that point, I was old enough that I wasn't going to play with them. I just, I didn't play with toys at, at that age, but I also didn't have a collector's mentality where I was going to just like leave them in, like in their packaging and like store them somewhere. I had to take them out and I had to like pose them and do stuff with them, but it just like, it, I wasn't in the head where I was going to, so I kind of opened them up and just like put them around the bookshelf or something or like around my bed or something and didn't really do anything with them but I remember having that group and having like almost all of those and then with the later groups I would collect some of them but that really was when I kind of like my collection like really kind of petered off so uh, and yours was just sort of just beginning with that point so where did you go from there after that first wave because we had oh man yeah in 1996 we had the second group that included more figures from Empire and Return of the Jedi which was one of my favorites of the the second, I think it's the second wave, was the uh, Jedi Knight Luke, Mm -hmm. the Hunchback Luke, which, you know, real quickly, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but the likenesses ranged from okay (laughs) to terrible. And the uh, occasionally there were weird uh, body poses. Um, So I think by far, and you might agree with me on this, The worst figure released in the initial Power of the Force two waves had to be Monkey Face Leia. Uh, Monkey Face Leia looked nothing like Princess Leia. She looked nothing like an actual human being almost. Like it was, it was, it was just, it was very, she had a very simian, like simian features (laughs) that, yeah, it was just, it was, and and also every single Leia that I saw, the, the bun Leia, the, you know, the initial Mm -hmm. Princess Leia, the paint apps were just awful i mean i think one of my buddies had one that the lipstick was like almost completely off the lips over to the left side (laughs) so yeah i don't know how they were made but i do know that like a lot of the figures did range now they were great figures a lot of them are great figures um but they just didn't necessarily share a good likeness with the people that they were representing um which is kind of fun you know in a way because you're not you know one of the things that i i kind of noticed and at the time, it seemed really cool. It seemed like an improvement, but then that feeling kind of went away afterward. And it was the way that some of them had a kind of natural pose already built into the figure. And I think there was a direct like reaction to it. They didn't want them to look kind of like stick figure, generic, like the original figures. So they really kind of bulked up the new sculpting and the modeling. And like, if you look at Luke Skywalker, he looks like a He-Man figure. His chest is so big. And, and well, yeah, he's like popping out of his tunic. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It was like they were really what? going for that adventure. But then if you also, if you look at somebody like a Han Solo, that first Han Solo figure... He's almost leaning in, like, with the gun drawn, and you can't have him at a resting position. He's almost naturally kind of, like, leaning forward to shoot his gun, and you can't have him stand in any other way. And that was something where I was like, you know, I I like the idea here, but... I also kind of I wish he was a little bit more natural I wish he could bend at the knees and that that just kind of turned me off as somebody who might have wanted to play with him over time those figures especially the um, first wave stormtrooper Mm -hmm. have trouble standing up on their own because their feet curl Mm -hmm. which is uh, you know a huge uh, I have a lot of them every time I see like you know I'll go to a flea market or something they'll be like you know power the force two don't tend to run especially if they're loose and in a bucket (laughs) don't tend to run more than two or three dollars and um, you know, as an as an army builder guy, uh, you know, I collect a lot of the Star Wars action figures. So like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I'll drop two bucks on a on a Power of the Force two 
the stormtrooper? Heck yeah. And then I always remember when I get him home and try to stand up, I'm like, no, I forgot. <laughs> so anyways, having those characteristics, the broad, uh, ready, fresh-faced, ready-for-adventure Luke, um, almost emulating the sh- open shirt of the original Star Wars poster. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it, yeah, the famous one where he's got his shirt open and Princess Leia's got the gun and... Um, anyway, so it's like, it's like almost emulating that. Like, so he's, you know, this like broad barrel chested young hero. And then you've got like, you know, the sort of like charming swaggering Han Solo and the ripped angry C-3PO. But that's the one that like, that's the one where I was like, I don't understand why he was made like this. Um, but then I was like the, the paint that they used for him was so just phenomenal that I was like, I didn't like the metallic gold. I was like, this is a great figure. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so yeah, it's like a lot of them really did have, they tried to really build in the characteristics, I think initially. And then, um, I actually would prefer that a little bit, uh, minus the folding issues to, um, uh, later on in the line, they would add the joints that they would add in the later power of the force two. And then the early, uh, Oh, the one that came after the mission series or whatever, they would have the joints were so obvious. They were very, like they were more flexible, but they were also sometimes, you know, they just, they looked wonky. So between 1996 and the 1997 waves, we got this little thing called Shadows of the Empire, which was a huge sort of multimedia Star Wars event that preceded the the release of the special editions or anything, but it was kind of meant to be this interstitial chapter, the official chapter between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And it pretty much included everything except for a movie. They made a novel based on the premise set in this time period. They made a comic book miniseries that was not an adaptation of the novel. It actually told a separate story. There was a video game that touched on both stories but was also different. There were action figures. There was other sorts of merchandise. Shadows of the Emperor was a big event in 1996. And peeking behind the curtain, it's the 20th anniversary. I had intended to do a Shadows of the Empire episode of this podcast celebrating the 20th anniversary. Uh, The Irredeemable Shag and I were going to talk about it, but schedules conflicted. And also, I tried to go back and reread the book, and I just don't like it. There are a lot of ideas and elements in Shadows of the Empire that I like, but the story itself... I don't. So I just, I couldn't get through the book and other things piled up. So never got around to that episode. Maybe years down the road for the 25th anniversary. Fortunately for me, I was only ever introduced to the, uh, the uh, from what I hear, the two best parts of it, which were the action figures and the video game. Um, yeah. So also I heard there was a soundtrack that was very good. Um, there was. They made music for the movie that never happened. Yeah, but yeah. One of my buddies actually uh, pointed out to me, we were at a media play in like two 2005 was going out of business and he's like shadows of the empire and i was like oh man i gotta have it so i like went over and like the disc was just destroyed and i was like nah like i'm i'm okay media play was like a, a sun coaster a hastings but they would do like uh refurbished you know you could sell your your cds or whatever back to them but someone had carved a pentagram into the back um so anyways so i i ended up not getting that because i didn't want to spend the 15 dollars to refurbish the disc or whatever um so yeah i was like but uh yeah the shadows of the empire was a huge deal and i absolutely adored it and the video game was i mean just off the charts phenomenal but the action figures actually really captured my imagination too and what was great about the action figure was that not only did they have the holographic illustrations but also they had that sweet purple packaging. <laughs> and like for me, that was like a big deal because I was like, oh, 
Well, that was like, you know, one of the the first times that I realized that I was kind of like an artistic person was like the uh, uh, was like, you know, when I was like, man, you know, that red's great and that green's great. That purple, the purple and black color scheme really speaks to me. And then I was like, oh, yeah, like artwork. Like I I do a lot of stuff with art. It would make sense that I would have an eye for design as well. But like, you know, I just for whatever reason that like spoke to me in a big, bad way where it was like, you know, even like I was like considering buying. um, I already had a Bausch Leia. But I was like, I want that holographic, like, you know, <laughs> thing to hang up in my room or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shadows of the Empire line was great. Um, some of it was a little funky. Uh, my brother had a uh, one of the Crimson Guard Lukes, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. That was a cool figure. But, I mean, all of the designs are so Star Wars through the lens of the 90s. The Luke Skywalker's sort of quilted jacket. Um, that it looks like you just swapped jackets with Leia after Hoth. <laughs> um, and then, which I thought was like, I don't know. It was like, I don't hate it because it's a cool idea to differentiate. Like if you see Luke Skywalker in a brown, in a brown vest, you know, for a fact that that's uh, Shadows of the Empire Luke. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes a lot of this stuff was wonky. Buzz cut Chewbacca, bounty hunter. Um, that was like in the nineties. I didn't like it. I didn't like it all the way up until about three years ago. And I like looked at it and I was like, my heart just sings with like love for the nineties, you know? So it's like, it's like, yes, this is, this was great. Look at, he has got a sort of a weird gun ax that he comes with. This is an amazing figure. So (laughs) it was an interesting star Wars experiment and I would love to see them try it again. Something along those lines. So maybe not, not set in that time period because that's all, that's all a bit all all erased from Canon, right? Like the, uh, I mean, that was all legends now. Yeah, officially it is, unless Disney chooses to reincorporate that, but I kind of doubt they will. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I mean, you know what, we'll, we'll see a callback to it on Rebels. Yeah. We'll see, we'll just get like, uh, you know, a Wookiee bounty hunter that looks like, uh, <laughs> so they like to take a lot of that discarded stuff so they can sneak as much uh, expanded universe material in as possible. So we'll we'll end up seeing, you know, uh, something something along those lines. Um, but anyways, yeah, that, that was awesome. The video game was great and it blew my mind that we actually got to see represented in physical form uh, places that we only heard about like Ord Mantel. Um, and you know, there, I think there was like an IG 88 backstory level. Um, there was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a very cool, very big deal. And, uh, the video game was super fun. So, so at around this point, like by 1996, when shadows of the empire is coming out, they're also releasing other lines of figures and they pretty much covered all of the basic figures that came out from the original 1977 line. Um, so far, the power of the Force 2 wave had been kind of like smaller, about a dozen figures at a time or less than that. Then 1997, a whole lot of figures came out and probably has something to do with the resurgence of popularity in the movies because in January, February and March of that year, we get the Star Wars special editions. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it I happened. didn't mean to. <laughs> we can't. You know, I'm a contradiction when it comes to Star Wars. My canon takes in a lot of account of things that other people don't necessarily like, but there are some tragedies that happened in the special editions that I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Star Wars purist by any means, but like there are the, the, the deletion of Locke Servrak, the, the um, werewolf mm-hmm. on, uh, in the, in the cantina. Um, like, it's like, I don't know, like stuff like the Ronto with the Jawas, like it looks terrible, but I loved it because it was like, 
oh look there's more like moss eisley stuff that's great but like you know the then like they got rid of like some of my favorite characters in the cantina they uh butchered jedi with no no ewok song it doesn't feel like star wars to me i'm sorry that's just not star that's not my star wars um so it's like you know the the special editions looking back now at the time i was about as excited as a person could be i didn't actually get to see them in the theaters because uh of just my kind of situation at the time so that was very disappointing to me but like you know a lot of my friends did and that was pretty cool and uh it definitely drove up a lot of the uh drummed up a lot of interest and a lot of the kids in my homeschool group were, you know, pretty excited about it. So definitely there are more Star Wars friends to be had. But yeah, it's uh, what what did they release around this time uh, in conjunction with that? Was that wave three or? Yeah, it would have been at this point. They weren't kind of locked down to just one particular movie like the waves would include figures from Star Wars, from Empire, from Return of the Jedi. I mean, this was year 1997. We got the first figure of Grand Moff Tarkin. That's actually a really cool figure. I just recently mm-hmm. added that to my collection, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice. Like, it, the Peter Cushing likeness is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, this was an era where I think they were listening and responding more to fans. And, you know, like, there was, like, Star Wars Galaxy Magazine and things like that, and people were, like, saying, you know what, in the first wave of figures from the 70s and 80s, we never got a figure of Grand Moff Tarkin. So, like, okay, we'll give you Grand Moff Tarkin. We'll give you Garinda. The long-nosed, like, snouted character who spied and informed on Han or Luke and Obi Wan from Tatooine in the first. I was shocked to find out that that was never a re- an original Kenner figure. I was yeah. just flabbergasted that that was never a figure. The 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 basic rebel trooper, the the rebel fleet trooper from the blockade runner from the first Star Wars movie. There was never a figure of him in the original wave. He finally. Did you ever have that figure? I don't know that I did, but a friend of mine had him. Did you ever put him next to the other figures? I mean, obviously, you probably would have. Uh, but he stands almost a full head taller than Luke Skywalker. Oh, really? Like, for whatever for whatever reason, they made that figure is giant. <laughs> it's much, much larger than the other figures. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, to the point where it's, like, broken. But, like, a lot of, like, it's, yeah, it, like, definitely, like, he's got, like, a removable vest. Like, you can remove his vest. Yep. And, uh... A helmet. Uh, again, I don't, I don't have one myself, but like a buddy of mine had his, him, and I just remember him just towering over like, you know, Leia or whatever. Like he was just like large, like a larger figure. So, and you like any any rebel trooper that's taller than Chewbacca, there's a problem. So, <laughs> I think there was. Oh, wasn't that also the line that had the uh, mail away Omar Monk? I uh, yes, it was somewhere in one of these years. Because by 1998 they had started to go back to the original, like the like Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, and they're like, let's redo these. Let's re-sculpt these, tone down the muscles a little bit, give Princess Leia a kind of human-looking face. Uh, so they Bucket did that. Hat, so, Luke. Right, right. So they, <laughs> and this, that would actually start off a trend that Star Wars continues to do to this day, 30 years later, or 20 years later, which is that they keep reproducing the same figure in the same costume, the same design, just slightly tweaked, slightly re-sculpted. And by now, God, there's got to be like 40 different versions of the same Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Well, I, just, I noticed that they were doing that with uh, the newest uh, Rogue One wave has a... Um, uh, I was listening to galaxy of toys podcast and they were talking about the new uh rogue one series has a kylo ren that is kid bashed 
from three other Kylo Ren figures. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. Like, it's a pretty cool figure. I saw it on the peg. But um, I don't have a, a Kylo yet, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the right one. But yeah, they do go back and, and they did. I remember, um, you know, kind of the thinner, smaller Lukes uh, that could fit in the T-16. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one came with either like a bend, like a like a bend legged Luke that you could like bend his legs or um, something. But I remember my brother had the T-16 high sky, uh, sky hopper and he, he just looked very sickly. Like he was like a, a small younger Luke <laughs> compared to the barrel chested, like, but I think like, I don't know. It, it just, it kind of seems like it was changing with the, with the, with the times too, you know, toys that were made in 1995 were definitely toys that were made closer to 2000. So this line is a good indicator of where toys were headed, I think right. as an, as you know, sort of a metaphor. Yeah. So yeah, the new wave of the black series, six inch star Wars figures uh, includes four guys from rogue one, but also has two from the force awakens. It's a new Kylo Ren that does not have his helmet. You can actually see Ben Solo's face, with his long hair. It's more like from the end of the movie. And there's also a new figure of Ray that, as far as I can tell, is the exact same Ray figure that came out last year with the six-inch line, except instead of having the big staff that she has at Jakku, she's got the lightsaber. But I think that's the only difference. They just changed one of the accessories. And... Uh, overall, I don't have any problem with Hasbro's current direction or Hasbro's past, uh, like, this far back. They did really lose their way, especially during the prequel trilogy. But, like, we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we did get a lot of, we got uh, those sweet Rebel Commandos. Like, there are a lot of opportunities, too. I think they made, like, um, some variants for Rebel Troopers. They made some variants for Stormtroopers if you bought, like, a special thing like i have uh one of those uh extra mission um well actually i had i think i had all of them except for the han solo um which i went back as an adult and got the actual figure of the han solo and then there was a luke that had a uh, like a desert skiff and he had like sort of like mud and dust all over his like thing so it was the same figure i think his arms were a little bit closer together so he could hold the the steering wheel of the skiff um, and then, but like, and then there was also a crowd control stormtrooper that had like dust and mud on his yep. sort of plasteel armor there. So yeah, it was, it was, there were some pretty cool variants too that you could get, um, if you were playing with them or even if you just wanted to display them or, you know, have a set up a scene with them, there were some pretty cool options. So yeah, they did, they did do that. Like I like repaints. Um, I don't necessarily like reissues as much. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I'm willing to, you know, cause sometimes you, you can't find figures. And then when they re-release them, like, I think I'm waiting for the re-release of the unmasked Ben Solo figure that they released and you just couldn't find him anywhere. And that's the one that I want to have in my Force Awakens collection because I don't necessarily like his helmet design. But anyways. So in 1999, we sort of get three different groups of action figures. We have a continuation of the Power of the Force 2 line, which has about... 10 new figures. We get a, a version of Greedo and a version of Han, again, with more streamlined sculpts so that they can actually look like they're, you know, at the bar or sitting around and everything. Um, we do get... The, they're all basically just reissues, except slightly tweaked. Um, we also, 1999, would see the first wave of figures from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and that had a different 
logo, a different brand. Those weren't officially part of Power of the Force 2. But the third segment is we actually get like a handful, like nine expanded universe figures that weren't in the movies or anything like that. There were a couple of figures that came out from Dark Empire. It was a version of the Dark Empire Luke Skywalker, who sort of had more of Darth Vader's outfit. There was a Dark Empire Leia and a Dark Empire uh, Emperor, like the clone version of the Emperor. We also got figures from Heir to the Empire figures. We had a version of Thrawn and a version of Mara Jade. And then a few figures from the Dark Forces video game. There was a Kyle Katarn and a Dark Trooper, basically like this giant robot version of the Stormtrooper. Um, and there were a few others of those, so that that was kind of interesting. I always wished that that had been a direction that they had gone, because right around this time, I was huge into the Expanded Universe. I loved the novels, I loved the comics, I wanted to see more of those characters get action figures. But unfortunately, I guess Hasbro just decided instead of making uh, figures of Jason and Jaina Solo, they could make more money making the 13th variant of Han Solo, and... It's like what DC does now with Batman, where it's like Batman has to be part of everything. Otherwise, they're just worried that it's just not going to sell. I actually uh, recently bought my first one of these um, that I that my brother had a dark trooper or uh, one of the space combat troopers Mm -hmm. uh, that had like rocket packs on its back. But I um, I recently found a Mara Jade that I needed to have with my Luke Skywalker. Um, and uh, I just kind of felt wrong not having Mara Jade because I have like two Jedi Knight Lukes. Um, so one's canon Jedi Knight Luke and one's Legends Jedi Knight Luke. So uh, I recently I, I saw it at a, we have a place here in Mid Missouri called um, uh, Slackers, and they like I saw they wanted twenty nine ninety nine for their Mara Jade. And I was like, I'm not going to pay that. I was like, also, uh, they had their Thrawn figure uh, was $75.99. And I was like, um, no. And then I looked online. I was like, actually, that's about going rate from what I've seen on eBay. Um, that's probably going to drop, though, because they're releasing Rebels Thrawn. So he's actually going to get his second action figure. Um, but anyways, so uh, I, I ended up picking up Mara Jade for uh, slightly above my I've I've you know had this thing where I try to get it as close to five dollars as I can. I don't like to go much up from five dollars. But for Mara Jade, I, I went the full 11 and got her off eBay. <laughs> so um, but yeah, that, there were some great figures in there. Um, also, uh they repurposed okay so a little bit of backstory here the original power of the force was supposed to have an addended line or like an addendum line mm-hmm. after after the end of it um that was supposed to be the fourth wave of figures which was going to take all of the characters there was like uh, general han solo uh luke skywalker had a new costume um you can look at them all i think there's a, they're on the swca site the star wars collector's archive but anyways there was a character in there called atha prime Atha Prime was supposed to be the bad guy. Well, they ended up not making that line, but it was floating around for years. You know, anyone who was really interested in, like, Star Wars toys or development or, you know, thing. Anyways, Atha Prime ends up becoming the dark Imperial Guard or whatever the the large helmeted, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, almost looks like Empire Emperor Zerg a little bit. The, like Sentinel. Between yeah, the Imperial Sentinel. Imperial Sentinel, right. So that's actually Atha Prime. Hmm. And then Atha Prime ends up getting made into an action figure, finally, <laughs> because he was uh, his look was designed for the uh, for the expanded universe. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and I'm I'm actually actively looking for there. But I think they made like a didn't they make Carnor Jackson that line? Um, or did they make him later? I get confused. 
don't or am know. I thinking of Luke Skywalker? No, uh, you know what? I'm sorry. That was my brother Jordan. Uh, he would he was into Connor Jacks quite a bit, and he would play uh, Shadows of the Empire Luke as Connor Jacks. Oh. Never mind. Childhood <laughs> memory coming up here. Sorry. Uh, if you're listening, Juby Dubins, I love you. Anyways, there were quite a few though uh, that got made from from Shadow stuff. So, and you know, I'm I'm not a big Legends guy. I don't want your wife to kill me, so I won't talk too much trash on it. But the uh, <laughs> I was I just that, that entire episode, I was like, I want her to be on this show more often. But man, do I disagree. I have a lot of feelings about the disagreeing feelings. Um, but anyways, I I thought that was a pretty cool line, and I actually ended up getting some of them. And now I really want to get that. Leia to the force user Leia with mm-hmm. the like I think like a purple lightsaber maybe. Um, those figures are great by the way. The the sculpts, the few that I've seen, are really sort of indicative of the line, but they're very very cool. And then finally, the power of the Force Two line kind of comes to an end in the year two thousand. I think they released just two figures. There was yeah. another version of Princess Leia. This time ceremonial. Called, yeah, well, it was called Princess Leia with Sporting Blaster, and it was the one with her hood up from the very beginning of oh, the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she takes out the, the Stormtrooper before they stun her. And then there was also a figure of Admiral Mati, which you could actually put his hand up by his neck like he was being choked by Darth Vader, <laughs> which was incredible. Good old General Mati. Yeah. Uh, no, um, if, if we could go back and real quickly talk mm-hmm. about the Episode One figures. I know there was a collective groan when I said that. No, uh, but that Mace Windu, you can find that everywhere. But when that came out, like, I used to go to a lot of flea markets. Well, okay. I always go to a lot of flea markets. Like, that's something that interests me. But, like, you could find them in, like, 2000, 2001, and they're, like, special edition, Mace Windu. Like, this is before episode two came out. Mace Windu. And it was, like, they would have them for, like, $40. Mm-hmm. And now you can go to eBay and get them for free. <laughs> um, so, which is always funny to me. But I will say that the one thing that I'm looking to add to my collection is the uh, episode one preview uh, staff with Battle Droid. Um, I love Doug Chang's work on, like, say what you want to about the prequel trilogy, but like Ian McKaig and uh, um, his design for episode one and um, stuff are just phenomenal. And the staff is one of the, like, the staff with Battle Droid, I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen for whatever reason, design wise. Again, like you said, like I'm not a big gear guy either. Um, but like, it's just one of those things where it's like space vehicles. I'm like, yes. And that's one of them where I was just like, holy cats in pajamas. Like that looks awesome. Those are cool figures. So going back, you know, what was special about that first Mace Windu figure from Phantom Menace. He had a blue lightsaber. lightsaber. He had a blue lightsaber because he, they, he never used his lightsaber in that first movie. They didn't reveal that his lightsaber was purple until Attack of the Clones three years later. Yeah, no, it's um, that's that. Yeah, that's really uh, kind of a, an interesting thing. And I, I'm, I swear that it's just the uh, Luke Skywalker, like Farm Boy. If you got like Farm Boy, X Wing, or uh, uh, any of the Bespin fatigues, Luke Skywalker. I, I'm pretty sure that's the Anakin Skywalker lightsaber that he has. Mm. So. I'm not 100% on that, but I think that I remember when I got that figure, like it was, it was like that. So, um, but yeah, there was, there's some, there's some really interesting stuff. Did you ever see the new Millennium Falcons, the beefy Millennium Falcons that they came out with uh, for the vehicles? Actually, 
I think the only vehicle from this era I ever got was the speeder bike and the uh, the storm the scout trooper figure like combo. I always thought wow. the vehicles were just too big and too expensive for my needs. I just I knew I wasn't going to play with them, and I just didn't want to display them. I didn't have the room for it. So I saw some of those vehicles, but I never got any of them. No, I um I'm lucky enough to have my childhood. Uh... Uh, Millennium Falcon. It's a, like a 1980 Millennium Falcon, and it is just yellow. The uh, it's missing all of the parts, but it's it's wonderful. I still have it proudly displayed because I I played with it just forever. But anyways, uh, one of my friends got one of the new. His dad was a doctor, so he had them all, and uh, he uh, he had the big beefy Millennium Falcon. And uh, I was like, man, this Millennium Falcon is like really like I was like, it looks like it's a lot heavier than the other one. But I, like, I, I guess maybe they were about the same because it, it wasn't the same mold, though. But I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, they had to rework the cockpit for sure, because the big beefy figures wouldn't fit inside the uh, if you ever tried to fit a power of the force two action figure in any of the other in the old uh, land speeder. Or, uh, you know, uh, even like cloud car or anything like it was a real struggle to get them in and it was a real struggle to get them out. So most of the time when I was playing, I'd just be like, uh, yeah, uh, they're in there. I I was kind of a a big nerd and stuff and was late to mature. So I was still uh, I wouldn't say playing with action figures, but I was definitely still arranging them on my desk when I was like 15. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it was like uh, I was a little bit sheltered, and so like, yeah, it was like one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna draw Luke Skywalker now. So, yeah, but it was like, yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, my siblings had some. They were like, uh, when I moved to Wisconsin, uh, I moved to Wisconsin in about 2000, and uh, they had uh, my siblings uh, were raised in a very religious household, and so they had like these Bible playsets. And so they would like, I would always jack them though to like set up my scenes and stuff because there was a, they would have these like play sets that were very similar in size or maybe even like a little bit larger. So you could get like some pretty stuff. So anyways, there was like a, a tomb with a rollaway rock and uh, I would always use that for my Tatooine scene. And then there was also a uh, sort of like a, like a throne thing that came with one of the biblical Kings play sets. And I would always use that for feed and I would set up my episode one figures on that. But like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, there were uh, the three and three fourths line when it came out was really great because there were a lot of people that were making things that were sort of tangentially like they were, the scale was awesome because you could fit in a lot of those stuff. Uh, a lot of the uh, stuff was compatible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like even a lot of third third party toy companies you could you could fit in. But yeah, if you tried to use it with the older stuff, it just would not work because they were made for those slender figures. Mm-hmm. That is where the Power of the Force line sort of came to an end in 2000. Now, that is certainly not where Star Wars toys came to an end because... As I said, they were sort of phasing out Power of the Force 2 as the new prequel movies came in. And then we had Episode 1 figures, and then they that shifted into something called Power of the Jedi that incorporated the prequel era and new versions of the classic trilogy characters and then the other movies. And then they did figures based on the Clone Wars animated series. And like every year, every two or three years, there would just be a new version, like the saga collection, the trilogy collection, the vintage collection, all of these things. And it's just, 
you know, to this day, and, and now like the latest version, the Black series, and then the versions for the the Force Awakens figures, Rogue One figures, like Star Wars toys, they have never gone away. They have never been far from toy store shelves since 1995. And that is incredible now, just that it's like more than 20 years now. And yeah, it's, it blows me away that you can still find these figures, that they're still churning out the same material. And I don't know if they're all going to new generations of fans or if it's the same collector picking up his 40th version of Darth Vader. Little, little column A, little column B. Probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I still, it's always great because, I mean, you know, whenever we go shopping or whatever, I'm always like, uh, I'm always like, all right, well, I'm going to beauty. You can go, you know, I'll, after you go to toys, I'll meet you in the frozen section. We can start shopping. <laughs> um, so, like, she knows that that's like, it's, it's, it's nice to have a spouse that's supportive of your of your hobbies. But, you know, I'll go over there and, you know, it's always nice to see, like, the, the kids are, you know, really excited about stuff. And it's like, yes, like, like, you know, making sure that those those generation especially during the uh dark times between the prequel trilogy and the disney buyout were kind of like you know it was like good to see kids like getting really excited about really wanting that you know uh release figure whatever it was so but yeah it was you know it's it, it's cool it's 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 great to see that you know but it also it's always like you run into like you know people your age or a little older that are there to pick up toys and and see you know kind of what and you can when when you see those kind of people it's always nice to swap uh, you know, uh, hey, have you seen? Oh yeah, I go over to Target, man. They've got you know whatever. Or, you know, hey, you know, Toys R Us has like a whole slew of Rebel Leia's or whatever it is. So like you know, it's like it's nice to be able to kind of do that. But yeah, man, it's awesome. Like you know, and it's just kind of nice to, especially someone who's been interested in action figures for a long time. You can go and like you know, if there's a figure that really strikes your eye or whatever, you can pick it up and add it to your collection. And if there's nothing there, then you just walk away with more money in your pocket, which is great. So <laughs> um, I'm looking at you. Um, some of the some of those toy lines were between this and now have been really really disappointing. And I was actually kind of disappointed in the Force Awakens toy lines too. Mm-hmm. So, but like uh, the, the the it seems like uh, the they're going in a good direction recently the rogue one toys are very high quality and like i said that uh that stormtrooper uh from this line is the best stormtrooper i think that they've ever made um looks exactly like a stormtrooper on screen so very cool well i'm sure if you were disappointed in the force awakens line just wait like five years because they will they will all be re-released remolded repackaged you'll get better versions (laughs) of the same characters but well, they, yeah, that was the reason that the, the figures that I bought, I was happy with and the figures that weren't available uh, made me very angry. I don't want to spend, you know, twenty six dollars to get all the figures I already have. Plus Maz Kanata. I just want to go buy a Maz Kanata so I can have her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So but uh, anyways, I love I love force uh, power of the force, too. Um, I just so many good nostalgic memories of it. So many awesome things. And, you know, like much like Pierce Brosnan's James Bond, they may not be great now in the eyes of people that didn't experience them. But for the 90s, pretty damn good. So <laughs> I think that is the best place to end this segment. So. <laughs> the, this wave of toys is the Pierce Brosnan James Bond of Star Wars. So good. Good. Enough. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Andy, before you go, you must answer the galactic questionnaire for every guest on Give Me Those Star Wars. Are you ready for this? I've been ready my entire life, Ryan. All right. First question. 
Would you rather drive Luke Skywalker's land speeder from Star Wars A New Hope or Rey's speeder from The Force Awakens? As a person of size, I choose the one with an actual seat. So <laughs> definitely land speeder. Also, the land speeder is amazing. I love the design, the popsicle that she drives. Great, great for the movie. But also, I think the land speeder probably has like a radio. So if I want to listen to the jizz whalers, I can just turn that sucker on. We'll be good. You can drive across the desert. Maybe say hi to my Jawa friends. It'll be great. Nice. Question two, classic Imperial Stormtrooper or First Order Stormtrooper? Oh, man. You got to talk about a Sophie's choice. I love elements of both. I would say probably classic Stormtrooper, but I really love the First Order sort of duck helmets and uh, a lot of the stuff on their uniform. It's just a great extrapolation of the original. So I would say it's, it's, it's a tough choice, but ultimately I'm going to have to go with original Imperial Stormtrooper. Right. Question three, would you rather have a lightsaber or Boba Fett's jetpack? That is a tough one because I would hurt myself terribly with both. <laughs> Um, I would probably hurt more people with Boba Fett's jetpack because it's got a grenade launcher on the back. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Chewbacca's bandolier. Why not? <laughs> Chewbacca's bandolier would help me every day of my life. It would look awesome. So I'm going to go for the un unspoken third option and I'm going to go with Chewbacca's bandolier. I will let you do that. I will allow that this time. Okay, thank you. Number four. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anyone, especially not myself. So, and there are no good options when it comes to, I mean, having a lightsaber would be amazing. Like, it would be so good for 30 seconds. And then after that would be just, I would have to keep it somewhere safe. Uh, I would have to go put it in a bank, you know, bank vault deposit box or something, because it's just too dangerous for me to have. Uh, question four. Would you rather live on Tatooine or Dagobah? Uh, Dagobah. Um, Tatooine is hot, and I do not like hot climates. Um, also, you know, I mean, they, uh, there's like a lot of life readings, whether they're like human life readings or whatever. Like, I, there's a lot of uh, debate back and forth about this, but I feel like the eating would be a lot better on Dagobah. Like, I just, you know, you'd be able to hunt and fish, even though it's a swamp, it's like a cold swamp, you'd be able to, like, maybe have a better life there. Because, like, Tatooine's like pretty gross <laughs> so <laughs> question five not counting boba fett who is the coolest bounty hunter introduced in the empire strikes back four lemon zuckus are out sorry four lemon zuckus um bosk is great i have like a pug boston terrier mix that reminds me a lot of boss do you say coolest or do you say favorite i said who is the coolest well you can interpret this your way hmm. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you two answers i think the coolest one is IG-88, because he's a killer robot. Mm -hmm. But my favorite one, just for sheer oddity, is probably a toss-up between Bosk and Dengar, and I think I'm going to go Dengar, because what in the hell? Look at him. Like, he's wearing, like, repurposed, like, Stormtrooper, like, like Snowtrooper armor that's been colored brown. Um, his entire body is wrapped in bandages. Like, what? first of all, what happened? Second of all, why is he still alive like what's his like his just face is all messed up um i don't know that's like a really compelling interesting character i think so i'm gonna have to go with dengar but for coolest probably ig88 um and then also but like i don't know i love bosk as well because like bosk is just he just seems sassy he like really like got a lot of personality and um also refuses to wear shoes so i mean i don't know i i, I, I I'll, I'll just go with like dengar i think probably 
Six, would you rather go on a date with Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher? Ooh, Carrie Fisher, probably. I mean, like, Princess Leia is cool, and she's really cool, but, like, I feel like Carrie Fisher is a lot more real in every sense of the word. And also, she has a French bulldog named Gary, and I would like to meet Gary very much. (laughs) So I think definitely, like, Carrie Fisher. Like, at any point. Like, Carrie Fisher at any point from Star Wars on. So. Number seven, if you had the force, would you be pulled to the light side or the dark side? Um, I, <laughs> I don't think it's, I like, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, I always like say it's like, oh man, like, you know, a lot of times I think like, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm such, you know, I have these, you know, very like angsty feelings and, you know, and sometimes I'm, you know, can be very like, yeah, you know, I just, I really struggle with a lot of stuff. And then everybody that meets me is just like, you're the goofiest person alive. Um, so like, you know, even though I feel sometimes like, you know, it's like, oh man, I use that. I didn't use that crosswalk. I feel terrible about myself. I think that like, I definitely would be more of a light side user <laughs> because, you know, I'm just like, I, I, I have moral, like moral, um, panic anytime that like, you know, I'll accidentally cut somebody off in traffic or something and I'll just be like, Oh no, you know, I stopped to save turtles and stuff. So it's like one of those things where it's just like, you know, even though I was like, I could be tempted by the dark side, but I, I probably not, you know? So I, I definitely think that I would be more attracted to, I would try my best to be a light side user good for you yeah (laughs) all right andy thank you very much for being my guest on give me those star wars where can people find you online if they want to hear more from you nowhere no i'm just kidding uh uh, i have i i have all major uh social media sites um the best place is probably instagram i'm on instagram at at 1138reference um and then also uh if you're lucky enough to have a mutual friend with me you can uh find me on facebook but uh, i have my privacy settings uh (laughs) set to uh set to uh optimistically optimistically cautious so uh (laughs) anyways uh but yeah instagram's probably the best best place to check me out i have a twitter i don't use uh so you can follow me at at kep l uh, but yeah, again, Instagram's probably the best place. So at eleven thirty eight reference. All right. Well, one more time, Andy. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It was great talking to you again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad that we got a chance to talk Star Wars toys because I love them. All right, and everybody else, happy Black Friday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and enjoy the holidays because again, we've got another movie coming up in just a couple of weeks. Talk to you later. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01, or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. Part of the theme music for this podcast is performed by the Evil Genius Orchestra from their album Star Wars Cocktails in the Cantina, available for purchase on iTunes and at Amazon Music. That and all other music, audio clips, or quoted text is used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.